and welcome to Watch the Throne. Oh, what a lovely day. This is episode 53, Bombshell, from 2019. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, before we introduce our very special guest, this is a live episode. Now that we are, mm. aside from the Tom Hum Club, we're trying to do everything in person now because trying, yeah. the weather is cold. We need to warm each other with friendship. <laughs> we need to warm each other with movies about sexual assault and harassment mm-hmm. because there's nothing that warms the heart quite like taking mm-hmm. down the patriarchy. We have two Charlize movies this year. We skipped The Addams Family because we just weren't well, good at it. Well, that was before we decided we are going to review them while they're in theaters. Like, we decided with this movie, let's go see Bombshell and review it immediately instead of waiting for DVD or which something. Which I think we should start doing for yeah. everything, which yeah. I think is our plan. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of people clamoring for The Addams Family. I feel like this is a more buzzy movie. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make <laughs> that I keep derailing myself is that we had Flarsky which became Longshot. Yes. We had Fair and Balanced, which became Bombshell. Oh. Charlize keeps having movies renamed to worse Worst names? titles? I think so. Flarsky's the best name. Flarsky's should be every movie's working title. <laughs> this was originally going to be an Annapurna. I don't know if you remember this. It was originally oh, yeah. going to be an Annapurna movie, and then they dropped out like three days before it started shooting, but Megan Allison is still a producer on this movie. I don't know if she still had, I don't think like it was prep. I don't know exactly her role, but huh. the head of Annapurna is, I saw her name. I was like, oh, but I didn't see the... I wonder what happened there. But with yeah. us tonight to talk about Bombshell, the final Charlie Theron movie of 2019, we have of the Wistful Thinking podcast, Cara Gayle Regan. Hello, Cara. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on this very chilly evening to talk about Bombshell. Oh, thanks for having me. So you, were, you saw the movie yesterday. I did. Mike and I just got back from the theater. We went theater, diner here. Yep. Well, we went cats, bombshell, <laughs> diner here. Jellical cats, jellical cats. Meow. Jellical cats, jellical cats. Yes. <laughs> so bombshell, the, the big thing I think I want to talk about first is the makeup. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because yeah. mm-hmm. what I heard recently was Megan Kelly, her children said, wait, so who's your twin? Like they thought oh, really? it was, there was, I, I, don't, I might have just been like a cutesy headline that might not have been the actual quote. She posted about it on Instagram. Megan Kelly did. <laughs> yes. She posted about it on Instagram, like a, a photograph of her, one of her small children looking up at the movie poster. They went to see Frozen 2, I okay. guess. And they saw the poster and was like, mommy, why are you on that poster? That's got to be weird. Yeah. I looked on the IMDb trivia for this movie and there's like basically nothing of, of merit because it's yeah. not, it's not old enough for people to actually have done like research uh-huh. like there's stuff that's it's out there very but current event. is not yes. this is a super current event yeah but here's what I found an article so Charlie Theron's makeup was done by Vivian Baker took three hours each day eight pieces of prosthetics created by special makeup effects and visual artist Kazuhiro Suji uh, he used to do he did the Gary Oldman's and Winston Churchill for Darkest Hour and Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Looper turning him into Bruce oh <laughs> so they, okay. he's won Academy Awards for Best Makeup before it's striking because like when we saw the trailer and well, I think when the trailer came out, you were like, I need to be on this episode. Yeah. I was like, wait, where's, I don't, where's Charlize? Like, yeah. I don't understand. It's uncanny. Mike and I have watched all 53 of her movies now or whatever, 50, 51, 52 of her movies, and it does not look like her. No. And it doesn't really, it sounds like her, but also oh, not really. She's doing a great accent. Like, the whole package is there. Like, you know, I, I guess they could have done it just with the accent, but the makeup is just, like, sells it so hard. And, like, that's the whole combo. And I leaned over to Joey one time. I was like, do you think that's digital? Is this, like, the Irishman the makeup, we're dealing with? Like, the makeup across stuff? the board is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's insane. Like, Richard Kinda to Rudy Giuliani is oh a whole thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, the, the whole theater, like, lost their minds when he showed up. Who played... 
Bill O'Reilly? Because that wasn't Bill O'Reilly, but no, it looked like Bill O'Reilly. No. It looked like Bob Odenkirk, but it oh, couldn't possibly have a, been him. That's actually not a bad call. Yeah, I could actually I don't see know. that There's working, There's so many though. random people Because he movie. played the president in Longshot, so there was a Charlize Nection there. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was also a... Um, Geraldo Rivera look alike. Uncanny. Like I pulled up next to him on like Fifth Avenue one day and he really does look like that. It's yeah. He drives a, a Bentley. He drives a Bentley drives in New York City? Mm-hmm. That's mustache money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's that, and it's littered with great character actors. Like, Joey and I kept leaning over going like, hey, it's this person, it's yeah. this person, that person's there. Look, Kevin Dorff played Bill O'Reilly, and Kevin Dorff, you might know him as just a guy who looks like Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, no okay. kidding. Because, like, look at that picture. Like, that's yeah. basically yeah. 80% of the way um, there already. With a prosthetic nose, for sure. Mark Evan Jackson played Chris Wallace. I didn't even recognize him. Jennifer Morrison, I knew from Juliet Huddy. Charlize is, um, like... Alice the, Eve? The only... Yeah, that's who I was trying to explain on the way out. That oh, Alice from Eve Star was, Trek. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah, darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only guy on in uh, Megyn Kelly's team... Rob Delaney. Yeah, Rob from Delaney. Catastrophe and yeah, from yeah. Twitter. Mostly from Twitter. Mostly originally, from Twitter. Originally from Twitter. I know him from Deadpool too. <laughs> like, yeah, and John Lithgow's like makeup and yeah. everything like that. He got Gary Oldman. Or, yeah, he got yeah. Gary Oldman in terms of the just like let's put on a lot of weight on this guy and make him look like an old balding man. Yeah, none of them did the Christian Bale route. We're trying to figure out like this is a movie that even if you don't see it, you know what it is. This is a movie I think that isn't necessarily going to change people's minds because, like, my dad, for instance, is not going to see this movie. Yeah, I th- I was thinking that the whole time I was watching it, like, who is this for? Like, exactly. That's is- exactly what Joey said. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our takeaway is that if this makes even one woman speak up, it's worth it. Sure. I felt like it was diluted by also being about Fox News and the political and the election and all that kind yeah. of stuff, too. Like, it felt, like, diluted and watered down and, like, if we had just gotten the movie about workplace sexual harassment, I think it would have worked a lot better outside of the political context. Not that it doesn't also still work. I just got a little tripped up personally because of my politics that like, you know, when they start talking about Trump, I just tune out. When I start talking about Fox, I tune out a lot of that stuff. So like, you know, I don't want to rob the film from its message or anything. So I just felt like, oh, that sort of took me off track. I Mm -hmm. wish, I wish it was just an imaginary, not imaginary, but just like, I don't know. I just wish maybe they took another turn. Because it's so recent history. I mean, it's, you know, this happened a couple years ago. This is a movie that was written, directed, mostly produced, edited, shot by men. Yeah. Which I found really interesting. Also, this is another one of those, like, the Joker movies where it's like mostly comedy guys, like, let's go prestige now. Yeah. Like, why why is this the project that you want to do? Fine. Whatever. To your point about, like, getting tripped up with the politics, I definitely understand where you're coming from on that but like speaking as a woman who's had to live through all of this mm-hmm. yeah it's inextricable right you can't separate it you can't separate it yeah. i mean especially when it's a, a story about these people who are so inextricably linked to this person who's doing <laughs> stuff <laughs> no i just i think the trump thing is is you can't take that out of this but this is okay. a case of something that we talk about a lot on wistful thinking of uh this movie is about the wrong person because it mm. like it should be about gretchen carlson like she's she disappears that's right she's she was the catalyst for all of this and like just contextually this happened at a time before the weinstein revelations mm-hmm. before so much of like before the kavanaugh here you like know before like before me too right like yeah it's right at really the... really was so as as difficult as it is for me to divorce my personal politics and feelings about these people who participated in this machine that clearly is ruining the country. Mm-hmm. I think that Gretchen Carlson was like so brave and like she did it so well. Like she had receipts. She taped those conversations. She kept records of 
everything. And also, she didn't just, like, run off and get a show on a different network. Like, she has been working to change laws around non-disclosure agreements and around, like, forced arbitration in contracts and stuff. Things that have stood in the way of people being able to come forward about this in the past. So she's the one who's, like, really done the work and I think is kind of the most compelling character in this story. And yet the movie's not about her. It's about somebody else. Well, what's weird about the trailer is that that there's the Charlie Theron line early in the movie, which I didn't realize was going to be early in the movie. She's like, am I the story? I'm going to be the story. And mm-hmm. they think it's about this, but it's not about this. It's about something else. Right. The, like, the trailer's setting you up for that, but then it comes early. It's like, wait, is this... Well, that's the thing. I thought the movie was super misleading to begin with because, like, look, I don't watch Fox News. Uh, I'm barely up on, like, the news as it is you know, because I choose not to be exactly, and I knew shit went down and Roger Ailes was out and he was a sexual predator and this and that, but I didn't know the detail, right? So like I coming into this movie didn't know what Charlize's like role was Mm -hmm. exactly. So when she did take over the film, I was like, wait a minute, why is this happening all of a sudden? Like, it's not, it's not her story, but they sort of make it her story. I mean, it is her story. And ultimately she was the story. Like, like the Gretchen Carlson thing didn't get nearly as much play. And again, it's inextricably linked to Trump. It's because of this Mm. like insane feedback loop that goes on over there. And not just at Fox news, but at all of the cable news networks, you know, like I was telling Joey, like this felt to me like a horror movie, you know, it's definitely Definitely. a horror movie. (laughs) I know I say that everything is a horror movie, but this is definitely a horror movie. There's even a jump scare. Yeah. I for real like felt that this time too so like not just like with this movie but what did I watch the other day too with um, Adam Sandler movie too like that definitely Mm -hmm. felt like a horror movie too what do you make of the fact that the Margot Robbie character is not a real person she's just like a combination of I could not care less yeah (laughs) it's like whatever you know obviously her her experience has happened it's just not to one person sure and it's a lot easier to make a composite character than to adapt because we don't know what happened there right Megyn Kelly had nothing to do with this movie, I, Which I don't they point think. Point out outside, you know, oh, oh, with the, with the making of Bombshell. Yeah, yeah okay. and I don't think Gretchen Carlson had anything to do with it. Like again, this is all you know put through the lens of so many men that like these characters are clear are like this is not obviously like what actually happened. This right. is all kind of a construction of what could have potentially maybe have happened. Which they kind of try to disclaim a little bit with that opening text even before the title card. I don't know. So <laughs> Power is making is, a pain face right now. It's kind of a mess. Like stylistically speaking. Oh, there's the one there's the what? one phone fo- there's the oh, one there's phone a call great shot. from roof to roof and Mike's just like what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> the style choices that are made, like at the beginning, they're doing this kind of like presentational Megyn Kelly thing. Walk where she's talk like, to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay, this is not the choice that I personally would have made, but it's a choice. And, you know, this could be an interesting way to tell this story. Do it almost like Megyn Kelly is doing an expose on this thing or whatever um and then they don't stick to that at all yeah and then in other points in the movie like you're hearing people's thoughts which also could have been a really interesting device for the movie to like examine the calculus that women are like kind of constantly doing in their heads but they don't stick with that like that's not used consistently at all I feel like it's like the big shortification of movies. Yeah. It's like, well, for sure. how do we make this relatable? Like, it's a thing that people know yeah. about but don't know about. Yeah. yeah. And how do we break it down to them? 
both starring Margot Robbie. It's interesting, too, because they make such a point of putting up, like, dates and names and times and things like that. And I never paid attention to any of that stuff. I just figured we yeah. were going mostly in chronological order. And, like, okay, all I needed to know was that's their lawyer. I didn't necessarily need to know their name. But I guess that's if you've been following the story right. and you know who you're looking at. Yeah, it helps to know, like, the real people, who they are. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I enjoyed when it came down to, like, the, the Fox News personalities, like, being able to, like, recognize them if I didn't, like you know, recognize them immediately visually. Because that's like the other real big takeaway is that there's a recognizability factor to this movie, both of the people that are Mm -hmm. portraying and the people who are portraying them. Mm. Like there are so many people that, like Mike was saying earlier, like John Gabris has a line in this movie. Lennon Parham has two lines in this movie. Connie Britton has like barely anything to do and she's amazing. Like why why are you giving <laughs> yeah. her like just Always this thankless role? Hair. Stephen Root's in like one scene as one of the lawyers. Allison Janney's in a little like, bit. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell shows up for three minutes yeah. at the end. It's like, yeah. what is going on? <laughs> I guess it's cool that everybody wanted to be involved. I and I guess. guess it's cool that like, oh, there's, you know, Hannity and Colmes and Cavuto and you well, know, everybody just thing. talking to each other. But it's like, is this just for cool factor? Yeah. That's I don't the know. that's the thing that I thought it would be more not like a farce, but I thought they'd be taking the piss out of it more, like make it funnier. And and I don't think that they should have now mm-hmm. that I think back because it's not a funny issue or anything like that but like it just seemed like as it was starting like you said with the walk and talk and with all these familiar faces and stuff that they were trying to like put a comical spin on it but they didn't. I think you it's know? because as a comedy director who's like yeah. can't help but like have certain things bleed through into yeah because yeah, that definitely started getting distracting for me where I was like I can't find the tone yet like I, I don't think I ever necessarily it never settles found it yeah. yeah and I think that was one of the major issues he, he just couldn't tonally lay it down like everyone in the movie is doing amazing work but like as a cohesive unit doesn't mm. really track very well which I think is unfortunate. Yeah, and you know, and the more I think about it, is like this movie definitely made me uncomfortable, and I think that's a good in a good way for good reasons and things like that too. You know, for exposing me to just everything that went on. Like I just was not following the news, so I didn't know any of that kind of shit. And I just always thought everyone at Fox News yeah, deserved everyone's what an they, asshole. Everyone's so, an yeah. asshole. Deserve what you get, whatever in this shit. But that's just yeah. not true. Like yeah. you just can't think like that. And like, sure enough, like. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like, it made me just empathize really hard. Well, sure. The the power of narrative storytelling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to bring it to the format of our newer podcast, is there something about this movie or the way that they tell the story that stood out above the rest as the best or your favorite part of this movie? Like, what about this movie? I know that we're all kind of, like, lukewarm-ish on it. Like, it's not poorly... I don't think it's poorly made. Like, I think compare this in a way and it's not at all the same but also similar to, like, Vice. And I think yeah. Vice is, like, an mm. objectively bad movie. Uh, yeah, that one's also a mess. I, I thought that. they were yeah. pretty. The performances in this one are better, but yeah. like from like a filmmaking perspective, they're kind of like on the same level. Is there something about this movie that stood out as great? Is there? I mean, aside from I guess the performances mm-hmm. or whatever, that could mm-hmm. also be the answer. But is it, what, what would be your favorite part if you had to pick a favorite part of a movie like Bombshell? It's tough because it's all over the place. They, it's almost the same length as Cats, and they both feel like three <laughs> hours long. It did feel very long. I mean, the, the the makeup and the acting and the portrayals of the actual people, like, all that was spot on. When Megan Kelly, I guess, I think, is, like, first touring the newsroom, mm-hmm. and she points out that, like, some viewers send in some fan art, oh, and yeah. there's oh. some fan art <laughs> of Sean Hannity that made me make a, a very loud noise in the theater. There is a shot where Mark Duplass and Charlize are going into the Holland Tunnel into Jersey oh from my yeah. gosh, yeah. And they're in the car, and there are, like, nine different camera angles. And it's like, how have you never known? There's, like, back, <laughs> rear, forward side, forward front of, like, all of them. It's like, what? And, and can, I, can I ask, like, who 
What? Who stages a scene that takes place getting into the Holland Tunnel stuck in traffic in the first place? place? (laughs) I think it's the perfect place to have like an existential discussion, which they kind of are, which is like, I don't remember exactly what they're talking about, but it's basically like... It's around the time where I think she's basically like, should I do this? Right. Hmm. You know, it's like, and it's it's like hesitancy, you're stuck in traffic, you're about to enter this dark tunnel. I think symbolically it works. How do I see that? Even if it's not the most visually. Yeah, my mind was visually assaulted like two hours earlier by a bunch of dancing cats. So my mind was a little busted. (laughs) Yeah. Something else that I found interesting about this movie, I don't know if I liked it about this movie, but earlier in the week, I saw the new Black Christmas, which I loved and Joey hated. I didn't hate. I just... uh didn't like anything about oh okay sure <laughs> there's a difference <laughs> no like it's not a movie that i like i like there are movies that I, like i hate joker okay. like, there are movies that i hate this i just i'm okay. just I'm, I'm mostly indifferent to i'm just like there's not like i love imogen poots i mm-hmm. love the director sophia to call to your point it's not for me and it's mm-hmm. also like i don't enjoy it but like yeah. i don't hate it like there's i don't not there are very few movies that i hate cats is not one of them <laughs> cats is it exists beyond love oh yeah no there's that's a, in a different dimension. but it is it is a weird not a weird coincidental maybe to have two wildly different movies that also wind up being very movie. similar yeah <laughs> not the same movie but they're about the same thing and i i it was interesting having seen that and then like going in to watch bombshell and just having the the two to think about because they're both about the patriarchy and toxic masculinity but like more importantly about like women's complicity within that system Mm -hmm. and solidarity or lack thereof see that that, that's the stuff that that got me the most i think in this movie was because i started i mean it's something that i picked up a lot in um midsomar like it's Mm -hmm. my favorite movie of the year and in that movie copycat i know i know copycat but but in that movie you know the 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 female lead florence Pugh. yeah basically every time she opens her mouth the first thing the first words out of her mouth are i'm sorry right she's Mm -hmm. like constantly pre-apologizing for all of her actions and stuff like that and and that's the stuff that really like makes my gut wrench and stuff and like that was happening in this movie and it was like a culture it was i didn't even notice it yeah so like there was the thing like there was one moment when roger ailes is like being like all like like all lecherish and Mm -hmm. stuff or maybe it's not Roger, but she's doing an interview and she's oh, like... Oh, it's the one she's getting called to DC. It's the, the scene that Kara was talking about Okay, before. yeah. And in her the head, she's saying thoughts. like, make it about yourself, like right. apologize. Yeah. That, oh, you I'm know? So sorry if I did anything to uh, yeah. misled and, you. And those, those those are the strongest moments for me. But even with Roger Ailes, when Connie Britton apologizes, like, oh, I shouldn't let him get away with this at home. Like, it's my... Like, don't right. blame him. Blame me. It's like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I do love about this movie that we have not talked yet, we have not mentioned her name, but Kate McKinnon, goddamn. Oh my God. Really? I, mean, I don't know. I found her a little distracting because she's like... but. Is she, is she a real person? No, she's also like a composite character. Because I'm sure that there are, for lack of a better word, like moles living within mm-hmm. Fox oh, News. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they address openly, like, why do you, why do people work here? It's like, well, I tried to get a job literally anywhere else, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. And now, and now I, can't I can't get one anywhere else. I actually know somebody that that happened to, like, around the time of the recession. Well, it's not quite this, but when he was in high school or college, Larson covered the Republican National yes, Convention in Minnesota right. <laughs> because he knew that everyone in his very liberal high school was going to apply to the Democratic Convention. And he wanted to do one of them, and he realized he could just do the one and like basically get selected to that. So like, it's not taking a job there, but it's like, oh yeah, like this is just this is the one that will have me. Right. Which I think is just kind of a funny little weird anecdote. It's interesting that the two amalgam characters ended up together in a way, mm-hmm. like sitting across from each other, yeah. talking to like having and their whole... together, and that together and more importantly. <laughs> Did they... Did they have sex? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> Felt like it was kind of a let's get Margot Robbie in a bra scene, mm-hmm. but it's also like they're very close and cutesy, but they don't they're never affectionate on screen. Well, like it's either pre or post 
and it wasn't. Yeah. But what maybe, I liked about I like kind of like heavily that. implied, but it wasn't like explicitly. Right. Well, I kind of like that. Why does it yeah, have to be titillating? Right. This is a, right? Why would a movie about otherwise. Well, it's directed by a guy. I don't know what else to yeah, tell you, but I like mean, it's the same there's reason. A, there's like, a difference between like having a woman in her underwear on screen and like shooting it in a way truly objectivize her on the screen versus you know just like. Did you think anything in this movie was shot in a way that objectified the women? Uh, yes, but like on purpose. Like the hike up your dress scene? Yeah. Well, there's also the scene I felt like when they're all changing backstage mm-hmm. and you see that like there's only like two rows of dresses and they're right. putting all the mutton chops in or whatever, the, the cutlets. Which I think and... is still a part of the like documentary part of it. Yeah. Right? She's like walking through. Or, or it comes it back else? a little, I think, yeah. at the end, towards the end when things are wrapping up a little bit. Yeah. One of the issues the movie has is that there's a lot of things that are set up and not paid off, but they're like, they're not even set up to be paid off. They're just right. like set up. Like they and go left. on vacation yeah. and then like, you know, Charlize says after they after Mark Duplass defends her honor at tennis, she's like, "You're gonna get some action." Then it's like post-coital, and then the kid's like, "Daddy, what were you doing?" And it's like, "Well, why is that? Like, is that yeah. a joke?" What is and that? then there's the know. photographer, but that doesn't. I guess that's just like another omnipresent threat. But it's like all these like little things. Well, there's also she's like, "I need security detail," and you never see no. like you just yeah. assume she gets it, but you don't see it. I mean, that's the other thing is that the amount of harassment that these women received after coming forward is is truly bone chilling yeah they're not alone um obviously this is the thing that happens to to women when they come forward like christine blasey ford the woman who testified in congress during the kavanaugh hearings like has had to continually move ever since because like she's getting death threats and getting targeted for violence so yeah that's a really big aspect of these cases that like it wasn't fully given serious weight in the movie in the way that it should have been yeah it wasn't really realized there's one scene where uh they're like here's all the hate mail and she's like well are you gonna do anything about this to make it stop and she's like this is the most write-in mail we've ever gotten and she's like yeah but it's all negative and they're like yeah but it's reaction it's like we're you know Mm -hmm. it proves people are why we don't care we're getting responses and it's like oh so toxic (laughs) what i think is weird about this movie whenever someone's story for lack of a better word, is like heating up. They just cut away, like mm. to your Gretchen Carlson point. But then again, to the Charlize, when like Megan Kelly, like there's like, oh, we need security. It's like, okay, now it's Margot Robbie's movie. It's like, no, like it's getting interesting now. Like, why don't yeah. we, like, why don't we either like jump yeah. ahead and like show the next part or like just stay on that person? Like, it's weird. Like, I get that there's like the three different sort of almost like the ghost of past, present, and future, mm-hmm. sort of, which I like that element of it, but I feel like the scenes they choose to show are almost like they're the setup without the pay. I mean, you get the ultimate payoff, but also you don't. It could be, again, kind of a conceptual thing that, like, this is something that happens repeatedly, yeah. and, like, women get to a point at Fox News, and they either have to shit or get off the pot, you know, mm. uh, to give a head, get something. Get ahead, get Thank some you. Head. I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know there's head involved in somewhere. And this, you know, again, is something that happens to women in their career is that they, they can progress to a certain point and then glass ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. Now, on the flip side of the coin, what about this movie stands out as like the worst part or your least favorite yeah. part? Like what about this rubs you the wrong way? Is there something that you think that you could have changed or fixed or swapped out that would have instantly made it Just like- better? Make a choice and stick to it. Yeah. Like, just yeah. go with one of these things, maybe yeah. even two, you know? But not 900 and only for 10 minutes each. It's It just was, inco- like, kind of incoherent because of it. And I think that the stories get lost because of that. I totally agree. Like, I, I think the Megyn Kelly stuff isn't even the most interesting stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want Gretchen Carlson 
story to be the whole movie mm-hmm. that's what had like traction that's what had drama and like i really kind of felt like the charlie stuff was just like bouncing around conventions and going to work i mean like i was more riveted with the other stuff when we got to the megan kelly stuff it just felt very sort of rote and by the book and you know it's it's still okay and everything but i just wish it was yeah more focused on one than the other definitely and focused on the right person it just feels like aimless and in, in in like in a way that it, it shouldn't be aimless like there's a very specific aim and a very like <laughs> yeah you, you literally you're not making up like you're crafting a narrative but you're not making up a story like the story's right. been told yeah there's lots of targets you, you know, can see them all you can, yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> you can map out like from A to B to C, and it's just like, all right, but we're gonna like detour all the way around here because we got a cameo. Like <laughs> liberals are the only people who eat sushi, so like let's make a take, let's take a shot at sushi. Like it's just like I appreciate that Lennon Parham's in the movie, but like still, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, Charlize came forward I think last year about how she was harassed. No, she came forward a long time ago. So oh. actually, yeah, so she was on Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR this week. Great interview. She t- she talked a lot about preparing for this part, how she actually strained her voice and like lost her voice for a few weeks mm. just in in the preparing for the movie and training her voice to speak in the lower register and then she also talked about like wearing the prosthetic makeup pieces and like what they did to her face which i found really interesting terry gross was asking her about her own experiences with uh, harassment in the workplace noted that she had previously talked about on her very first audition she went to a director's hotel room and she was like i guess this is just how they do you know the whole story Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. she had told that reporter who it was and the reporter chose not to disclose that person's name and this was like years ago so then when like the weinstein revelations happened she like went and looked went back and like looked for the story and it was everywhere but the guy's name never came up. So she said that, like, eventually she will disclose whose name it is, but she doesn't want to do it while she's promoting this movie because it will that becomes the story. Right. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that might be one of the causes that she even took the role? Because well, yeah. Yes. Well, Bar, I'm sorry for being so ignorant, but I'm just saying no, because sometimes you want to confront that stuff and sometimes you don't. I don't I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying like I think that's a very brave move and a bold thing. And when you can actually process something like that through art and mm-hmm. come out the other end and yeah, you know, like that's I think that's great. Like there are a lot of people who are working on movies about this stuff right now, like obviously Black Christmas is... I think there's a TV series about this too, like about the Fox and like the rise and fall of Fox News. Is that the loudest voice in the room? I think so. Okay, so uh, Naomi Watts plays Gretchen Carlson in that okay. one, and she and Nicole Kidman are like really good friends. Oh, that's so awesome. They both I love the Naomi same Watts. character. People are finally making movies and TV shows about these stories, but every woman has experience with this right. stuff, mm. and it's just because we were... <laughs> And also, I mean, the thing with, like, horror movies particularly is that, like, so many of them center violence, so often, like, sexual violence uh, against women, right. and so many of them are told through a male perspective, hmm. you know, so it's, like, when it when it finally comes around that, like, women are telling a story about this, I think it's interesting. I think it's also interesting, Nicole Kidman continues to make sto- these kinds of Like Destroyer movies. and stuff? And she also was on Big Little Lies. That's true. A whole thing that they were going to have this woman director and then the whole project was kind yeah. of like taken away from her and you know so I why think Why hire Andrea Arnold if you're not going to let her do her thing? Why? I, yeah. But I what I don't understand is like why anyone in 2018-2019 are making movies about women's stories and putting men in charge of them. Like it just yeah. doesn't 
it like to me is truly insane. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. I, I, it's funny because I, I say I'm tired of watching stories about guys told by guys. Like I want to see it through a female lens more. Like that's why I Point Break is one of the Which greatest. Which I just watched today. One of the because greatest action movies so ever. Good. Directed by is it a woman. my favorite movie? It might be. See, you also look at like other films Bigelow did, like The Hurt Locker. That movie's yeah. amazing, and it, yeah. it's like one of the raw, grittiest, toughest movies. You 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 would assume that you know a guy directed that, or right? Dark Thirty. You, you would, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I am with. I am also kind of tired of just these this, this the man telling the man story too. Yeah. I need I need a whole other perspective. Well, so this year I set out to watch a bunch of what movies made by women because I'm like. They're different, and I don't know why exactly, but, like, it matters somehow. And I watched 81 of them so far. And I still can't articulate why it matters, Mm -hmm. what the difference is exactly, but there's definitely a difference. Are they 81 directed by or written by or just... Specifically directed by. There's plenty more that I've watched that are written by, produced by, etc. But I, I had to, like, you know, just, like, to make a specific list. Yeah. Then to, like, watch Bombshell and, like... Be like, why? Yep. Why? Why, why did a guy? <laughs> what? But not just a guy. Like it really, like above and below the line. Like so many men worked on this movie, and it's mm-hmm. like good for them. They're you know doing their part maybe, but at the same time, it's just like like women can do these jobs too, and they can probably do a better job of telling this story that is specifically about women's experience yeah. from a, a woman's point of view. Next year for Charlie's, I don't know if these, any of these movies, and we could take a look, are going to be made by women, but we have The Addams Family. Yes, I've seen it. Directed by not one, but two dudes. All right. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we have a little movie called Fast and Furious 9, directed by a dude, but also oh, that's... Fucking yeah, who cares? That's, a, that's beyond. <laughs> She's going to be in a movie called The Old Guard, which is written, or which is at least directed by a woman, Gina Prince Blythewood. Andy, her name was Andy, leads a small group of soldiers working as mercenaries through the ages. Interesting. Action fantasy. And then she's going to be in Atomic Blonde 2, which is, again, made by a man, but also she's like a producer. Like she's, I think she's, to a certain extent, like very much not in charge over there, but Mm -hmm. has a very Mm -hmm. deep role. But yeah, so there's a couple exciting things coming up on the uh, the old docket for Charlize because, I mean, fate was not great. That's the one. We've warned you before. (laughs) Wait, have you seen Theory 7 yet or not yet? Not yet. Okay. Go check out our current lap of Too Fast, Too Forever, where Kara is the guest on every episode. I just rewatched number four the other day because I wanted to see uh, it after number three. I think it's better the way that we did it in, mm-hmm. our, in our order. Any other thoughts about Bombshell? No, I'm, I'm good. I think it's a movie worth seeing for the performances. I don't oh, yeah. think you necessarily mm-hmm. need to rush out and see it in mm-hmm. theaters. I would agree. I think yeah. you can uh, like very easily wait for this on HBO. Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely going to be the movie that's on HBO all the time. I, but why wasn't it just an HBO movie? That's true. Is my question. Because, like, the scale of it feels... I mean, they, like, spent a shit ton of money on this, but, like, the it just... It feels more like a... HBO movie. I think it's going to make a decent amount of money because like our theater was pretty full today. Was yours? Yeah. What was yours like yesterday? Ours wasn't full, but I I went at like four forty five on a Friday, and it was surprising. I was surprised by the number of people there because like we may have mentioned that we saw cats today too, and like <laughs> oh, there were nine people, including us yeah. in the theater, and then like really, for, yeah, yeah, no one's no one was seeing cats. I think I think oh. two or three people left. I'm not sure. I don't want to say like the theater is full, but I say the theater was probably two thirds full. It was healthy. There's, I was there's pretty solid. More than I was expecting for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously the weekend that Star Wars comes out and everybody and their brother is going to see Star Wars. Yeah, and it's also like the busiest holiday shopping day of the year. No one's shopping anymore. Budget was $32 million. You should have seen Joey's exit from the mall today. It was fucking legendary. Oh, I I just went to a real mall. I went to a ghost mall yesterday. That That was the real key. 
to getting in and out of a movie theater. Yeah, the I ended up seeing Star Wars just like down the street in mm. town too, so I could actually get in, I guess. Yeah. So this movie cost $32 million to make, which Whoa. I feel like over time, which actually is kind of less That's than way I low. I thought it was more than that. Google says 32 It might not okay. be right. Because I like I, at least one To quote thing... the movie, is that sourced? <laughs> There's at least one thing that I read that said that like, Part of the reason that Annapurna dropped out was because it was getting too expensive. Well, they're also like a tiny little shop. Yeah. Well, I think this was shelved for a while. Like, I think they dropped out. They're like, oh, we need to figure out, like, what we're doing. And I think it, like, went on hold for a while. How could it have been on hold for a while? It well, not too long. Like, I, I, no, I, I mean, like, 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 a couple, couple months. months like, it yeah. went yeah. for, like, two it was like, months. Because we, we weren't even sure if the movie was still, like, there were, happening. I remember, I remember there, was a, there was a point where I was like, oh, I guess this isn't going to happen. And, yeah. then, and then it came back as bombshell. And like, oh, it's fair and balanced. Okay, they are making it. Did you have any... Th- you looked. You brought up your notes. Do you have any other notes? Not really. Well, we have 52, I think, other episodes of Watch the Throne, including several. What other episodes of Watch the Throne were you on? Monster. Shelley Sterren's Academy Award winning. Do you think that she's going to get any award recognition for this? Or is it... Well, she's already been nominated for at least a Golden Globe and I think a SAG Award. Is it for lead or supporting? Lead. I don't know if this is Oscar-worthy, necessarily. I, thought, I mean, I thought that she was incredible and that yeah. she's so good. They all were. I don't know. I don't believe in awards. I think <laughs> they're all insane. It's true. None of them ever make sense and they don't matter. But I guess in terms of other female leading performances, I don't know what's going to get nominated because I feel like these are all kind of fringy things. But like Florence Pugh is amazing in Midsummer. Even if you don't like the movie, I think you have to admit that her performance is... Yeah, it's great. I and it's not, I don't know. I just found it so boring. Elizabeth Moss and her smell is, inc- is beyond see that. Yeah. Uh, the Little Women. We, don't, we haven't seen it yet, nope. but obviously it's good. Caitlin Deaver and Booksmart. Oh, Jesse Buckley and Wild Rose. Holy moly. Anyway, 52 other episodes of Watch the Throne, including Monster, including some others that Cower was on. Uh, we have 26 shows here on the Podcast Network, including our newest one, which we love a new episode out within probably a day of this coming out. <laughs> With the same voices you're hearing now, we're talking about Viva Pod Vegas. We're talking about Jailhouse Rock oh boy. on our Elvis podcast. You can also check out Wistful Thinking every other Thursday. We are currently in Beach Month. I have decided we're going to rename it to Surf Month, which is more specific and more yes. accurate. All right. Um, so that's very exciting because you did Blue Crush. Blue Crush. And then the episode coming out this Thursday is... Point Break. A little movie called Point Break, which oh, we covered for... Nice. I feel like, in a way, Keanu Club and this are kind of sister podcasts. Oh, like they're sure. <laughs> unrelated, but also directly related. Mm-hmm. That was another one we recorded live in person at my right. old apartment old with apartment. Chris Podcasts. Very exciting. But yeah, every other Thursday, was thinking every Friday, we have Tom Tom Club, Tom Cruise, Tom Fridays Hanks, alternating those. Every Tuesday, we have a Too Fast, Too Forever, including every other Tuesday, Cara on for three more episodes doing Furious 7, Fate of the Furious, and Hobbs and Shaw. But for all things Watch a Throne, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, watch at cageclub.me, I'm pretty sure. Come back next year for The Addams Family, for Furious 9, and maybe one or two others, who knows? And check out our other shows. As I said, go to cageclub.me slash shows, poke around almost 1,400 episodes in total. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Cara Gale Regan. And we'll see you next time, whenever it is, on Watch the Throne. White shirt, now red, my bloody nose sleeping. You're on your tippy toes creeping.